everyone. Stand is made for little people. It does not adjust to tall people. It's on its limit. I don't know why. Mark's so, he's a pretty tall guy too, isn't he? You ever notice though that he's all upper body? <laughs> he is. He's the same height as me when we're sitting together. He's just got little legs. That's why I'm, I'm really, really stressed out about this great tricycle race, right? Because I'm going to be like, my knees are going to be hitting myself in the, in the face while I'm trying to beat him in the tricycle. Did you know pastors are included this year in the tricycle race? And I'm just praying that Mark never heard about this. Because he's just going to be motoring it on his little legs. And I am going to be hitting my, my knees are going to be hitting my jaw as I try to ride those tricycles. But... Um, uh, it's great to be back here at, uh, at Kingsway. I guess it's been a couple years. It's, uh, Mark hasn't gone fishing in the last couple years. So uh, 2016 was the last time I was here. And it's great to be back with you guys again and to see so many new faces. It's amazing. Um, just, uh, just a little bit of uh, background on, on Sweets and, and uh, who we are. Um, uh, I worked with your pastor for nine years at Sweets Corners Church. We worked together as a pastor, youth pastor team, um, kind of more just associates in that we shared a lot of the responsibilities. And it was a great nine years. And, and uh, it's, it's incredible because you hear statistics about churches and, and uh, pastors and youth pastors. They aren't too good. Usually about three years is the limit. And then they got to, you know, separate and, and uh, not work together. But we had a great working relationship. And I really, really like the guy. He didn't have to marry my sister for job security, but uh, he did marry my sister. We have that in common, too. Uh, we both married one of our youth and our youth groups, and uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, when he, t- he asked me, he asked me what I thought about him dating my sister, and I didn't know they secretly were dating, and he just wanted my opinion to see how badly I'd freak out, but I told him, I said, I said, buddy, he, she is out of your league, <laughs> And, and she was. The first time he asked her, uh, she actually shut him down. But uh, then uh, she, she realized he's a pretty decent guy. But uh, that's something we both have in common. We both married one of our youth, and we both married way out of our league. Uh, I have my beautiful wife here today. But uh, today I want to talk to you about... Oh, and I was going to mention, too, um, that... Uh, you know, when we planted Kingsway, it wasn't a thing of, you know, anything that, you know, I or Mark did. It was a thing where there was a church within our church, and we recognized that. We recognized that we were at a place where God had positioned us to, to say, this is the place and the time. And I'm so thankful for the people who stepped up during that time and made it all happen, that God moved them to do certain things. Matt House, who drove my family to our church every Sunday for two years, uh, you know, picked up my family, drove them to church, took my brats and all of them to church every Sunday. And uh, then I, you know, Chris and Sarah Stone, who stayed behind at Sweets for three years to help us with our worship during that transition, even though all their friends had, uh, had made the move to Kingsway to be a part of the plant, you know, they sacrificed their time and helped us out. And so many people that, uh, that today, I mean, look what's happened. And I'm just so grateful that God moved those hearts and uh, brought all those people into those uh, different uh, places of ministry. But uh, today I want to talk to you something that your pastor probably won't talk about because... 
the reason he probably won't talk about this is because your pastor has been gifted with an incredible memory. He has this incredible talent. He is a smart guy. And the reason I say this is I trucked with him to New York City once, and we did some memory work together. Uh, on the way up, we, we memorized uh, how to count in a different language. We memorized some scripture on the way up. And I remember that I had to work at it so hard. And he spent a couple minutes working at it, and he had it. And he still had it like five, ten years later. I still ask him how to count to ten in Tagalog. And he still can do up to number five after ten years, after spending like five minutes memorizing. And so he might, he might not think that the rest of us need this message. Okay? So I don't know if he talks to you about this topic very much, but I'm going to talk to you about memorizing God's word. Because I don't know about you, but I need to work at this. This is something that doesn't come naturally to me. And really, in in truth, this is something that is life-changing. And it's something that your pastor does a lot because he just reads and and it naturally just gets in his brain and he's got it memorized. And so he knows the scripture well. But I want to challenge the rest of us, the majority of us, because a lot of times we hear scripture memorization and we're just like, no, that's not something for me. You know, that's something, you, you know, you pastors, you need that because you, you have to preach the word, but you know, I, I don't necessarily need that. And I want to talk to you today about why you need God's word hidden in your mind and heart. And Joshua 1.8 tells us, it says the book of the law, this is God talking to this young man who's going to be leading his, his, his nation. He says, this book of the law, God's word, my word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, this is the best advice I can give you in regard to having success in life, is that you take God's word and you plant it in your mind and in your heart that this is going to give you a solid foundation in life. I know there's tons of self-help books out there that can really, you know, and I'm not against them. I think that they can help you with different areas. But if you want to have success in life, if you want to build your life upon a firm foundation, take his living word and plant it in your mind and in your heart in such a way that it's with you wherever you go. Well, we had some neighbors quite a few years ago, the Beldmans, who lived on Concession 3 beside us, um, just down the road. We call anybody within three, four kilometers is your neighbor when you live out in Haldimand. And so uh, we uh, had these neighbors who one day came to my dad asking for assistance. You see, their mailbox was getting knocked over seemingly every month by this group of kids who drove down the road. And and, in those days, you didn't just take a baseball bat to the mailboxes because the cars were different. You could just smash them in with your bumper and it wouldn't even hurt the car, right? And so they would drive down the road and take out all three neighbors' mailboxes down this road, and they would do this repeatedly. Every month, he'd buy a new mailbox, install it, and get it smashed again. So finally, in frustration, he said, Dick, can you help me out? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to b- build this mailbox strong. And so my dad found this big uh, six-inch, you know, five-eighths wall pole, post, steel post, and, and he went over there, and they took a bunch of bags of cement, and they, they just poured, they dug a huge hole, and they, they put the cement in there, and they, they had that pole in there, and then they mounted the mailbox on top of that. Now, don't do this. This is highly illegal, by the way. You are not allowed to cement in your mailbox and use a steel pole, and uh, you could cause some serious injury if you ever do this, but back then, there was no rules, and they didn't, or if there was, they didn't know about them, right? One of those night jobs, and so anyways, this, this mailbox is it stood years after even the house was demolished, 
okay? That house is gone. It was a huge brick home. It's been demolished. It's gone. The mailbox, I always remember seeing this mailbox standing there, and even after the mailbox was off the top of it, just this steel pole sticking out of the ground with concrete, right? Until finally, I I do believe that now the road workers, for safety reasons, removed the whole thing. But that was a solid foundation, And I don't know about you, but in life, I need a solid foundation. I know that there's attacks against me. There's attacks against my mind. There's situations that come against me in life that they should just plow people down. And when I see people within our church and within your, within your church, within Kingsway, and see some of the things that have gone on in your life, and the fact that you still stand is attributed to the word of God that it is a solid foundation for life. And therefore, I want to encourage you in regard to memorizing God's word as that solid foundation. Uh, One thing that uh, always comes to my memory is in regard to, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we're we're given a mission in life in, in regard to following God. Sometimes we can get off mission. You ever sometimes just forget why you're here on this earth and you're just, you think it's about stuff and you think it's about, you know, getting the most out of this life and just, you know, kind of doing your everyday thing and you forget the reason God's planted you here for a purpose. It's like when I was a kid, my dad used to send me off to Jarvis to get supplies and he'd tell me, Wes, I need something from the feed store. I need a part from Dowdy and Williamson's and he'd send me off in the blue pickup truck and I would head out driving down the road, windows down, you know, enjoying the freedom of driving in the pickup truck with my dog on, on the road roof of the truck. I don't know why we drove with our dog on the roof of the truck. That doesn't fly today either. Don't do that. And he'd be barking all the way into town. People would be laughing and waving as they drive by this common thing of us driving down the road with a dog on the roof. And um, I'd go into town and, and I'd have so much fun on the way there. I'd get there and I'd forget why I'm there. <laughs> totally forget. It's, it's an embarrassing thing when, you know, you're like, okay, he told me to pick up one thing, and I can't even remember why I'm in town. And so I remember, you know, looking around the floor for a quarter, and then I go over to one of those, you know, those boxes they used to have, those booth things, and you'd put a quarter in, you can make a phone call on this phone in a box. They had one in Jarvis, and so I'd go over there, and I'd be like, Dad, um, yeah, why am I here? <laughs> and he would remind me, but I had forgotten my mission. And sometimes we can get busy in life, caught up with everything around us, where we just forget what our purpose is. We forget that the people that we're working with, those people are dying and going to hell without Jesus. That their lives, that they go home and they have no hope. They don't have a savior. They don't have a king. They don't have a Lord in their life. They don't have one that's given them purpose in life. Their purpose is is just nothing. They're going in in all different directions and they don't have, they're, they're outsiders to the family of God. And here you are, you have kingdom purpose. And the word of God, when you memorize it, it can... Uh, bring you back to that, that realization that you have a kingdom purpose. Uh, David Livingstone, he, he recognized this. He traveled through Africa. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was a very famous man who traveled through Africa um, in order to, um, he wanted to find the origin of the Nile River. Because, and the, the reason was because he wanted to have legitimacy with which he could uh, preach the gospel and end the slave trade. Good reason, right? So he wanted to become famous so that he have a platform to end the slave trade and preach the gospel of Jesus. Love the man. So he tra- he set out on a three hundred mile journey, and when he set out, he had one hundred and fifty pounds of books, about about seventy five books on this this journey. By the end of his travels, after three hundred miles, he had one book. He had the Bible, right? That's I mean, this is this is God's word. This is our solid foundation. Another story. Uh, uh, POW, prisoner of war in Vietnam, 
Captain James Ray. He recalls, a t- uh, while, when he was put into the uh, prisoner camp, he recalls talking to the fellow prisoners with Morse code. They would tap out questions on the wall and, and get to know each other. And he asked his fellow prisoners, do any of you know scripture? Because he knew some scripture that he wanted to share with them, but he thought if they could share the scriptures they knew because they didn't have a Bible. And so they started tapping scriptures to each other. And one man knew Psalm 23. Another one knew Romans chapter 12. Uh, Another one knew the Lord's Prayer. And they took all the scriptures that they memorized and they actually memorized those scriptures together so that they became like a living Bible walking around in those cells. For seven years, those guys together memorized so many chapters of the Bible, and they believed that that gave them the solid foundation by which they could survive that time. And I know some of time, sometimes it feels like we're in a prison in life. Maybe it's a prison of sickness in our bodies. Maybe it's something that we're dealing with, or it's a relational thing, or something that's happening in our families, or financial situations, difficult situations. And you can walk in freedom even in the midst of the most difficult trials when you have a solid foundation. And that is the word of God. Dallas Willard put it this way. He says, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual growth. And Dallas says, if I had to choose between one of the spiritual gifts or spiritual disciplines, I should say, he says, I would choose Bible memorization because it is the fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. You see, God said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Well, how does it get there? It gets there by putting it first in your mind and in your heart through Bible memorization. You know, for me as a pastor, it is extremely useful because for one thing, it gives you somewhat of a concordance in your own mind. So I don't always have to use Google all the time. So uh, I used to, uh, when I used to get phone calls from our Sunday school teacher, uh, he would call me up and he'd say, where's the scripture such and such? And I would get on my computer and I would type it into Google and then, and I would tell him, and he didn't know I had my computer in front of me. And he'd be like, wow, you know the Bible so well. And he was so impressed all the time until finally he discovered Google and now he doesn't call me anymore. But it, is extremely useful to me, but it's also useful to you, and I'll, I'll explain why. One is it provides transformative communication with Jesus. Transformative communication to Jesus. Listen to this. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What he's telling us here is that If you want to be changed into the image of Jesus, you need to steadily see him. And that is best done through his word, through the scripture. Therefore, if you take his word and you put it in your mind, what happens is that this is where Jesus speaks to you, right? And if you have this in here, in your mind, therefore, Jesus can speak to you anywhere. Wherever you go, Jesus speaks to you through his word. This is the fundamental way in which God has chosen to communicate what he desires for you. And therefore, that's why that this is a, I call it a transformative communication. It's a communication that transforms who you are. It is, in essence, it changes what you're made out of. It changes the substance of who you are because you're building a firm foundation upon which you're living your life. Um, it, it, it's, I compare it to, uh, you know, I help a lot of people move because as a pastor, people, they make the assumption that you work Sundays, right? 
And so therefore, you're available the rest of the week. And a lot of people move midweek. And, uh, you know, I even actually uh, had one uh, teen call me um, three times when they missed the bus because they wanted a ride to school. Yeah, that's how much people think that we don't work during the week. But I've moved a lot of people. And in my moving experience, what I've discovered is that if you own Ikea furniture, it is good for two moves. It just is. It is good for two moves. I'll move the person once and it starts shifting. You know that? Where it starts shifting. We can't own any Ikea furniture in our house because my wife likes to rearrange her house twice a year at least. She's always moving furniture around the house. She asks, she doesn't ask me anymore because she knows I can't take it. She asks the other kids to help her and I come home and I got to find everything again. It's all moved. It's her way of cleaning. But we can't own Ikea furniture because it can't survive the move because it's not made of something substantive. It's, it's, it's garbage. It's, it's particle board. Okay, sorry if you love Ikea. <laughs> On the other hand, we have one family in our church that I moved, helped move five times, and their furniture survived every move because they bought solid stuff. They bought stuff that was solid. They, they must have been shopping at the furniture, the furniture barn or the blue barn or something. They bought real furniture and it lasted. It held together. And therefore, this, this is what God's challenge is for you. If you want that transformative uh, communication, take God's word, begin to commit it to your memory. And what happens is it changes the substance of what you are made of. And it creates a solid foundation upon which your life. It also, it gives secure, uh, it secures your victory over sin. How many of you are still battling with sin, right? We don't have too many liars here today. Everybody's honest. We, we're battling every day with sin. You will continue to battle with sin till the day that you die. You know, my father-in-law, he, he tells me about his sinless day. And he says, I managed to not sin for one entire day. Did anybody know Leonard? He told, he told me he never, he didn't sin for an entire day. And I said, well, how'd you do that? He says, well, I was so sick. He said, I couldn't even get out of bed. He said, I didn't have an opportunity to sin. <laughs> so I was so sick. He says, I call it my sinless day. <laughs> We're all struggling with sin. So how do we deal with that? It says in Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Let your, um, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. David took God's word and he hid it in his heart. And therefore, what happens is when the lure of sin, you know, tries to pull you in, Jesus and his superior attraction, his, uh, his magnificence, his awesome power draws you to something that is so much better. Jesus shows you that he has something that's so, of so much worth. I know that, you know, many of you look back, you look back 10 years and you see things that used to be something you held on to. You used to, you see something that you used to hold on to and you look back and you realize, man, I can't believe that you, that sin was so important to me. I can't believe how I used to self-medicate. You know, I used to deal with my problems the wrong way. I used to deal with so much anger and so much bitterness. And now I look at it and I see the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. I see the freedom in the life that's in him. And why? It's because of his word. Imagine if you were to take his word consistently with a plan to put his word in your mind to memorize Every day or maybe once a week, taking designating time to, to commit his, his scripture to your memory. Not only does it secure victory over sin, 
but it also activates the expulsive power of a new attraction. Okay, let me say that again. It activates the expulsive power of a new attraction. I'm gonna give you a simple illustration to help you to remember what that means. We, we were working on our church nursery because we have so many people at Sweets right now who are pregnant. We have like tons of, of women who are having babies or just had babies. And so we thought we better get this nursery looking good. We have one of, one of our newborns here today, came a little bit early, five weeks early? Yeah, five weeks early, a cute little one. Um, but uh, so we thought we get this nursery all done. I had some co-op students, had three of them. And uh, my, one of them was my daughter and she loves to paint. So I said, you're in charge. Make this nursery as awesome as Kingsway's Hallway to their kids' ministry, okay? So she decided to go with the seascape, and so she painted it blue, and she's, she's good, but she's slow because she's detailed, right? She's just, like, wants it perfect. And so she's, like, going into detail. She has landscape. She's got the plants. She's got the water. And just before she got going on the fish and just before the co-op was over, she realized that she was in love with her fellow co-op worker, uh, Dylan Shilstra. So my daughter, she, she fell in love. And this is, what, this is what the expulsive power of a new attraction is. Our nursery has no fish. <laughs> we have one and a half fish on our nursery wall. That's it. She, her heart was taken. And therefore, all of a sudden, she didn't have time and energy for that nursery. It's, it's just, that's no, no longer of importance because there's an expulsive power of a new attraction. And this is what happens. When you take the word of God and you plant it in your heart and your mind, it's the expulsive power of a new attraction. It just causes you to fall more and more in love with your Savior. The more I, I find about who Jesus is, about who God is, what he's done for me, what he's done in his plans it, throughout history. You guys are going through Romans 9 through 12 right now, that section of scripture. That is an awesome part of scripture with your uh, priest. Who's all in the precept study for Romans 9 through 12? What an amazing thing because, you know, you get to the end of that, you, um, or yeah, 9 through 11, sorry. You get to the end of chapter 11 and Paul just blurts out this praise of how awesome his God is when he gets to the end of that because he can't help himself. He looks at God's plan. God goes and he brings in, you know, first he works with the Jews and then he brings the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And then he, he uh, you know, goes back and forth throughout history to do all of this incredible stuff. And his plan is to bring as many people as possible into the family of God. And so Paul's just like, this is amazing. And what happens as you learn these things, it's the expulsive power of a new attraction and old things are pushed out and new things come in as you fall in love with Jesus, your savior. I wanna give you a couple practical tips because uh, I know that uh, unless your name is Mark Vanderweer, it does not come easy to you to memorize. Um, it, is, it is a difficult thing. I like to compare our minds to, to a jungle, Okay. Just to envision a jungle with me for a moment and think about all the, all the trees and the vines and the plants and all of this. It's just a mess. You can't walk through that. What happens is when you try to memorize scripture, it's like trying to make a path in the jungle. And what happens is this is what most people do is they, they go through and they spend about you know 20 minutes on a verse. They go over it and over it and over it. And then the next day they're like, yeah, I memorized this verse. And they try to quote it and they get all upset because they're like, it's not even there. It's gone. But the, the thing is, is that they don't realize that you have to treat it like creating a path in the jungle. In other words, you go through first with your machete. 
and you start just putting those words in there and you put the order in and you think about it and you just take little chunks at a time. Don't take a whole, you know, if you're gonna memorize, you know, a chapter, don't try to memorize the whole chapter at once. Don't even try to memorize a whole verse at once. Try to memorize a half a sentence at a time and just put it in there. What You walk through with your machete, you chop out a path and this is the, this is the deal. The next day you're gonna come and it's gonna seem like you never did a thing. It's all grown over. That's how your brain works. If you remembered everything that you memorized, you would go, or everything that you uh, experienced, you would mentally lose it. You would go crazy. You can't do it. God created you with the ability to forget everything that needs to be forgotten. And only the things you focus on are the things that your mind will remember. Your mind is created in an incredible way. One thing that it does is it lays down myelin on top of the, I can never say this word, synopsis. Is that synapse, the synapse. It lays myelin on top of it. And what it's doing is it's creating a superhighway through the jungle. And so the more you repeat it, the more you go back to it, what happens, it becomes a well-beaten path. And my rule of thumb is this, it is not a true memorization until it becomes a paved road. Okay, so you don't give it up until it's, you've put down the pavement. In other words, it's there front and back. It is th- thoroughly there, and then it is there for you for the rest of your life. For example, my, my grandma, we call her Beppa because we're Dutch. Anybody? There's no Dutch people here, is there? <laughs> I look at these kids dancing at the front, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, seriously, that's a lot of Dutch kids. Uh, there's a lot of blondness happening. But uh, my Beppa, she learned in Frisian uh, the psalms and songs and hymns, and, and she would know them so well. In her final year, she experienced, like many of you know somebody who has experienced not uh, having Alzheimer's, losing her memories. And we come in to visit her, and my dad would come in, I would come in. And when I visited my, my Beppa, she did not know who I was. She would no longer recognize me. She didn't recognize her own children. And uh, yeah, and, and here's somebody who throughout her life had an incredible memory, but she, she, Alzheimer's had taken that away from her. But guess what she could remember? She would quote those psalms in Frisian. She would, she'd be able to sing the songs. And uh, I remember my dad sent me a little video clip that just, um, it, it just, oh man, it was so hard to, to watch it, and yet it was so beautiful. And he said to her, what's the chief purpose? Any, anybody, any catechism people here? What's, what's the chief purpose? And what's the purpose of life? Uh, I don't know exactly. I wasn't in catechism. But uh, her answer was pretty much to, to give glory to God and to enjoy him forever. And to remember those truths, even when every else, everything else is fog, that those truths are still there. And I believe that those were foundations, and that was a solid foundation upon which she could walk in her final days. And so a couple little more tips on practical advice. Um, one thing I like to do is... Um, I, I have a hard time with beating up on Bibles. I always feel like I got to respect them. And I, I just can't. I don't even draw in my Bible. I know it's weird. That's just me. I'm not against it um, for other people, but I can't. So I print off these sheets. I have, Ange probably finds them all over in the cars. And, and this one has more coffee than paper. Okay, you see that? Um, and it's just beaten up. And I, I write on it, and I just make a mess of it, and I write out my keywords. I put my memory palace in. This is my, my Romans memory that I've been working on for years. And, uh, and so it looks all beat up because it goes with me wherever I go. Sometimes I'll print off multiple sheets so that they're in different places around the house. But I, I think that if you take something with you, it gives that initiative of doing this. Print off a bunch of copies. Now I'm committed. I'm, not gonna, I'm, 
Dutch, I'm not wasting this paper that I printed. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this done. And so print off the scripture. Um, last night, I forgot to mention uh, for people that were in the last night service, but versions. Um, I recommend the, the NASB, New American Standard Bible. I also recommend the ESV. Um, personally, I, me- I memorize in New King James Version, but I don't suggest that you do that because there's, there's better translations out there now. And uh, unless you love New King James Version, which I kind of grew to love the way the cadence and the way it flows, and so I memorize in that version. But ESV and NASB, probably your best bet for memorizing. Although I also memorize sometimes a New Living uh, Translation when it's a paraphrase of something that is just kind of a neat way of saying it. And so I'll just memorize a verse or two in, in that version. Um, but uh, just pick, a, it does, you, and you don't have to stick to a particular version, but uh, find one that, that you find is easy to memorize in and something that is easy to be able to remember it in. And another thing is um, always think of memorizing as never, a, it's never a waste of time. This is, the, this is one of the most impactful things. As you're memorizing, you're also meditating. So as you're doing the work of memorizing, you are being, you are being transformed, you are, you are transforming your heart and your mind, and you are allowing the word of God to change your life as you're doing the work of memorizing. So it's never a wasted moment to memorize God's word. And an encouragement to you that think you, it is beyond you, when I graduated from grade eight, I had 20% in math, okay? <laughs> it was bad, I was in every special course. It was Jarvis Christian School. What an amazing school. Because you know what they did? They take me out of class all the time into this room for extra help. And I believed I was extra smart. And that's why they took me out. I believed this for years. I was actually quite disappointed when I finally realized that it was because I needed extra help and I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. This is how good this school was, or maybe that's how dumb I was. But uh, I just, I'm, I had learning, I think I invented some learning disabilities. Like I had learning disabilities like you wouldn't believe. I would look at a piece of paper and it would all, I'd read the words and I could say them haltingly, but they wouldn't make any sense. They just, they just see like a mess in my, in my head. I couldn't do it. Um, but I want to challenge you because when you have something that you desire and want it bad enough, now today there's no problems with reading because I worked so badly and it was the word of God that transformed that to me because I wanted this. I wanted so badly to know his word. I wanted so badly to live a life for Jesus Christ and I knew the way that to do that was through his word. But I also want to challenge you today that you people that are maybe struggling with learning disabilities now, you have absolutely zero excuse. You have the Bible app. It reads the Bible to you. You can just put a chapter on repeat, listen to it all day long, and you can memorize, and you don't even know how to, have to know how to read. Like, seriously, you do not know how amazing it is what you have in your pocket, you know, in the sense that you have these tools and resources that I never had as a kid. If I was a young pastor, had all of those resources, that would have been incredible. Um, but uh, I had what I had, and I worked with that. But I want to encourage you, if you struggle with memorization, it takes me probably an hour, an hour and a half per verse to memorize it, memorize a verse. It, it takes me a long time. And even then, I have to review and review and review. I, I might not have the sharpest memory, but I realize the importance of this. And that's why I wanted to encourage you today, because I know some of you here that just kind of, you give up on yourself and you just say, no, I can't do it. But you will do what's worth doing. You will invest where you believe investment should be made. And so I want to challenge you in that way. And I'm going to close with uh, just saying that um, 
as you memorize, you're going to come across some challenges, some difficult verses, and you're going to need techniques. Look them up on Google. There's so many. My wife uses the uh, first letter of uh, each word um, to give herself a hint, cheat, cheat, and so that she looks at that, and that helps her to continue quoting the, the scripture. So first letter of each word, she just writes that on a piece of paper and makes no sense other than to the person memorizing. Um, I myself just like wrote memorization, but when I hit a list, it's like those difficult verses. What I do when there's a, a difficult, when I hit a difficult verse um, is I um, make up a sentence to remind myself of the list. So Philippians 4, four eight. you know, everybody know Philippians 4, 8, with the things that Paul tells us to think about, right? And uh, what I did with that is like, how do you remember a list of a bunch of things like true, noble, just, pure, lovely? Like, how do you put that together in your mind? And so what I did is I created a sentence that gave those words a context. Because when there's a list, there's no context of order. And so I wrote, a true and noble man just wants a pure and lovely wife. And I got one. Right? So, but I didn't write that sentence because that sentence means anything. The sentence doesn't really mean anything. I just, I envision a knight saying, true and noble, right? True and noble just wants a pure and lovely wife. Now, all of you, can anybody, can anybody remember that? Yeah. You know Philippians 4.8. You know, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are, whatever things are. There, you know Romans 4, or sorry, uh, Philippians 4, 8, and you know it because you created a sentence that gave it some order. And so you use tricks, you use techniques, you use whatever you can to get that precious word of God in your mind because now we know what we can think about. Things that are true, noble, just, pure, and lovely, right? Those are the things that are to be going through our mind. And uh, let's stand up together. I never did tell you the end of the story, That um, mailbox, one day he came out of his house, and, and it was about that time, you know, where uh, the joy riders were going on their little trip. Luckily, he was the, uh, actually, no, he was the last one on the road. Yeah, he'd be, he would have been the last one on the road. So he, the other mailboxes all were down again. And uh, he goes out to check on his mailbox, and what does he find? He finds this big bumper. <laughs> wrapped, bent around the mailbox, lying on the, on the ground with some random car parts. <laughs> some, somebody had a bad day, <laughs> and it wasn't him. And I want to challenge you. Let's, let's make sure it's the enemy who has a bad day. Amen? Let's make sure he's the one that uh, loses some parts, and when he collides with the solid word of God, that's what Satan tried on Jesus in the wilderness, and Jesus said, you know, hey, you say this, but God's word, it says this. And God's word stands, and Satan, you know, he lost some parts on every collision on that day. You know, every time he came to uh, Jesus, Jesus stood on the solid word. And uh, I, I also think it's quite something that uh, the one who wrote the word uh, memorized his words, right? He, he took the form of a human. He would have taken the time to actually take his own words. I don't know how that all worked, but I believe that he uh, led, a hu led a human life and would have remembered the things that he said uh, by reading the things he said. I don't, I don't know how, exactly how it all worked, but I just do believe that Jesus set the example for us, and he, follow, he asked us to follow his pattern. And so I want to encourage you guys to do so also. Let's commit together. So today, you're not going to walk away from this service and just say, yeah, it was an interesting sermon on memorization. And, you know, what the pastor preach? Oh, he preached on memorization. And I want you today to tell somebody else 
a memorization buddy. You need a memorization buddy. You need somebody to be accountable to, to say, hey, let's do this together. It's one of the best ways to memorize. Uh, my sister Bethany and I uh, memorized with our Sunday school classroom when I was her, her youth pastor. Um, when she was about 12 years old, uh, we memorized through the book of James, and she committed the book of James to her memory. And so find somebody who you can commit to and say, I'm going to memorize this chapter. Pick a chapter, not just random verses. Don't be like daily bread person and memorize Jeremiah 29:11. You know, I know the plans I have for you. You don't even know the context. That's talking to people who were in slavery and would continue to be in slavery for 70 more years in exile. They're going to face hard times. So if you're going to memorize something, memorize a chunk, but commit to talking to somebody today. On the way out of church today, let that be one. I want to hear around me people saying, hey, what are you memorizing, <laughs> right? And challenging each other. So I want to pray that, uh, that you make that commitment in your mind and, and hearts today as we, as we leave. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you that uh, they have a pastor who loves your word, that uh, has spent so much time committing your word to his mind and his heart, and that he leads them with excellence and, and love for your word. I thank you for their study through the precept ministries and their Bible studies in which they go deeply into understanding and, and committing your word into their hearts. I thank you, God, that you today would move on their hearts and minds in such a way that uh, they would feel compelled to memorize your word, that they would recognize the importance, the importance of having their life changed, transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of their minds. And I thank you, Jesus, that you will do this by the power of your Holy Spirit and that every scripture committed to memory would build a solid foundation for life, for ministry. And uh, God, that you would get all glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.